Hello, hello, everyone. I'm back with my good friend, Anne Gross, and we are going to be tackling a pretty uh, heavy topic today, and we're going to ask for the Lord's grace. Um, as a continuation to our marriage series, we are going to be speaking about impediments to intimacy. This is a heavy topic. Super, super heavy. Ann and I are both a little bit nervous, um, but we hope that the Lord guides us in our conversation today and that it is edifying for not only ourselves, but for you as well. So I'm just going to open up with a Bible verse and then I will ask um, Annie to uh, lead us in prayer. So today's verse is Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So, Anne, if you could lead us in prayer. Um, Father God, we are so grateful for this moment in time um, that we can humble ourselves and come before you. And even in our limited understanding, um, you have given founded grace and mercy to us so that we can share how you've delivered us and how you've um, reconciled us unto you. And so, Lord, we just ask that this conversation will be a blessing for those who are married and those who are considering marriage and those who maybe have um, been coming out of a damaged relationship and want to look for healing. Lord, we just point all of our listeners and, and viewers to you um, there's nothing in us that is great without you. And um, this conversation is not meaningful without you, Holy Spirit. So we just ask that you would lead us in meaningful, um, uplifting, edifying, and healing words, Lord. And um, as we, as Raquel and I, uh, venture out to be vulnerable and transparent, Lord, give us discernment. Um, and we just thank you for the word that is so powerful that separates um, and uplifts and tears down those things that exalt itself above you. So we're grateful for this time and for your mercy and your grace and for the fruit from um, this podcast, Lord. And we bless your name, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we wanted to tackle impediments because one of the comments and that or topics that we had touched on in the last series is that the church today and the culture today actually is probably very similar to the days of the Corinthian church. There's a lot of immorality that is being practiced and it, unfortunately it has trickled its way into the church and um we still struggle in trusting God and trusting his ways. Mm -hmm. Even in this, sex has so permeated the culture that it doesn't, it has lost its sacredness. Right. It has just lost its sacredness. Um, I will even say for myself that I don't understand the sacredness, I believe the way that God intended, I think I'm coming to understand. I think I'm coming to better understand. But just in saying that, I realized that my understanding of sex was just so rudimentary and so basic and so um, incomplete that no wonder, no wonder um, I didn't trust God. I did not understand the sacredness of sex. And because it was just a, a don't do before marriage, a law, and that's mm -hmm. all I understood it to be, only practiced when married, um, no wonder it was hard for me to put the value of this law the way that it needed to be. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, I had a pastor in um, Florida and many other pastors use this phrase, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. 
And what ends up happening with sex is we tell our children, don't do it. And we just say, God doesn't want you to do it. And then the, the question now for anybody who sits with that thought is then why did God create it? And so then it's just like, well, sex before marriage is bad. And then after marriage, it gets good. Does it though? Because if you don't understand the, the spiritual meaning of becoming one flesh and um, you don't understand the necessity of that intimacy for a marriage, it can become drudgery. And for some of um, my dear associates and friends who waited, it was not pleasant. Wow. And, and it became, a, it became a, a thing of obligation and not enjoyment. And so when we give rules and we don't give a, and we don't tie it into our, our relationship with God and we don't tie it into spiritual relationship and we don't explain how that trickles down into marriage relationship, sex becomes uh, either this thing that you want to obtain because you can't have it or this thing that when you obtain it, you don't enjoy it. And then it becomes a problem. I think that that is so profound that what you just said, because um, uh, I have heard echoed uh, in the sentiments of uh, many wives, Christian wives, that it's a shame that I enjoyed something more in the world. Uh I'm going to be real here. Mm -hmm. Um, I've enjoyed something more in the world than I have um, now that I have come to Christ. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that affect that. You know, we come, so we ourselves, we live disobediently to God. Okay, so then there is a part of us that we come and we finally, okay, repent to, to God about a lifestyle. But the consequences are still there. Mm-hmm. Because we have to remember that Galatians 6, 7 says, God will not be mocked. Mm-hmm. And what you sow, you will reap. Mm-hmm. And so there has to be, I think, even a specific repentance in this specific area because of how important it is to God and how sacred it is to God that the more sacred the law that you violate, the heavier the consequences that fall on you. And and the thing that actually makes it a little bit harder is because all of the consequences, some yes are physical, but a lot of them are spiritual where you can't see them. Yes, they, they affect our mind, they affect our hearts. And a lot of it is just spiritual. We have a whole bunch of soul ties to people mm-hmm. that we're not married to, but spiritually we You're were married. joined. Yes, we were joined with them. And so mm-hmm. now we have to take back the ground that we had given to the enemy. So how do we do that? I don't even know how to do that. I would say, um, and shameless plug, but um, Michael Todd, uh, pastor at Transformation Church did a series called Relationship Goals, and then he did an, he did it over, and he called it Relationship Goals Reloaded. And what he pointed out, which was the thing for me that was like, ah, was when you don't know the value of a thing, you leave it open for abuse. And a lot of us. And I'm, I'm just going to, and, and, I, and I will say this for men and women alike, because a lot of times we focus on women and sexual sin, and we don't focus on men and sexual sin. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, it affects them just as great, mm-hmm. if not worse, because yeah. now they have to try to cover you and they, you know, just imagine, just put this visualization in your mind. Here you are standing and your husband is supposed to be like this canopy over you. And then picture that canopy with all these bricks on top of it. 
Wow. Wow. That's how it is when you come into a marriage and neither of you have dealt with your sexual past. Wow. And so here you are standing, hoping for a covering. And he's like, he's trying, but he got all this baggage. So you feel small and pressured because you're comparing yourself to his sexual partners in the past. And he's trying to cover you and wondering about your sexual partners in the past. And so you have to get to a point, to your point where you repent for those things, but it has to be an honest and open conversation with your spouse. So putting your head in the sand is not gonna work, is it? Not gonna work. And once you have that honest conversation, then you can reassign the value to that thing. Just like this cup has, this mug has a certain value, I can sell it for less than what it's worth. But the person that really knows what this is worth will reassign the value to it. And we have to do that in our relationships. We have to reassign the value to the things that we cheapened when we were out in the world. We do have to, this is um, such a crucial point because I think as Christians, we understand that we have to change our behavior. I think that we often, we still fall into this bad pattern where we are engaging our will, but our will only. And we're not returning ourselves back to the manufacturer. Let's go back to the manufacturer. Let's go back intentionally to him and ask him to restore us. It's fine that we acknowledge that we have committed a sin. And it's fine that we acknowledge that we have to change. But have we returned ourselves to the manufacturer, to the author of our faith, to the author of our life, to our creator and say, restore me? And what does restoration look like? I mean, truly what does restoration look like? You have to start to see yourself differently. You have to start to see your spouse differently. And, and we talked about this last week, our words and being a safe space for our spouses. We have to, we have to create that space. Um, and you and I just finished saying this to each other. They're our spouse, but they're also our brother and sister in Christ. Yes. So we have to minister to one another. Yes. Right? To bring the restoration. Restoration doesn't come by just saying, okay, Lord, restore me. You have to allow yourself to be ministered to. Yes. And you have to allow yourself to take every thought captive. That's the thoughts of former lovers. That's the thoughts of pornography that you may have watched. That's the thoughts of masturbation that you may have participated in or whatever else. We don't need to list everything. But whatever else, you need to now submit that onto the Holy Spirit to take it captive in order for those soul ties and the, those chains that you've put around yourself to be broken. Yep. Some things, and I might as well dive in here while we're here. Some things, <laughs> some things have happened to us. Yes. You know, one, you know, you, out of every five women that you lined up, one of them has been sexually assaulted. Mm. And I think, I, I think for, for boys, it's out of every nine, or every 10 boys, you'll get one boy that's been sexually assaulted. Mm. That does something to a human being. Yes, it does. It, 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 it rewires your relationship to your body. It rewires your, your trust path, pathways to other people. It rewires how, and for some people, the hurt is so deep, they even look at God a different way. Like, why would you allow this to happen to me? Yes. I didn't want this to happen to me. I didn't ask for this to happen to me. And so for some people, they become promiscuous. Other people reject sex altogether. And other people completely want nothing to do with their sexual identity. And it leads into other lifestyles. Or um, uh, I found this to be the case um, because the Bible, um, not uh, to spin off your point, the Bible, um, and uh, how do I say this, tells men specifically, instructs men not to touch a woman. 
Mm-hmm. And it's better not to touch her because the man is already uh, at a moment's notice. That's biologically speaking. He is always at a moment's notice, pretty much ready to engage in intercourse. It's just faster for him. For, for women, it takes us a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. And so when the word of God says, don't touch a woman, don't stroke a fire. Ah, don't awaken love like the song of solomon says don't awaken love before it's time before it's time so Mm -hmm. crucial to this that there are things that sometimes we awaken and um to your point of sexual trauma something that wasn't invited um unfortunately we can be um awakened to debauchery to lewdness it's it it causes a spiritual warfare that um that individual is not ready for mm-hmm. and most often it's too young to even fight mm-hmm. um and then the shame and guilt that comes along with it and the and depending on what culture you belong to the mishandling of the situation that comes along with it and so all of this now gives you a false understanding of what sex is supposed to be like and what men are supposed to behave like. And again, let's not leave out young boys. Young boys have sometimes been taken advantage of by older women. And so and 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 so for them, this predatory spirit, right? It 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 dirties what sex is supposed to be. And it and it and it rewires how we think about intimacy and that becomes a hindrance when you get married. I know for me, it took years for me to really, and I'm not talking about like, oh yeah, I dated this person and yeah, this was a situationship and then, and, 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 you know, we had that conversation before we got married. I'm talking about the deep um, impact of, of those relationships. It took me years to, finally tell my husband, this is how it impacted me. This is how, how it, this is why I don't like when you come at me a certain way or touch me a certain way or speak to me a certain way, because in his mind, it's just like, well, what happened? Like, I love you, right? I should be able to do these things with you. And I'm just like, no, I don't want you to do that to me. Why? Because there's been a woundedness in that area that has not been addressed. And so you know, I'm a bit advocate for finding your three people in your life that you can confide in, that you can laugh in, and that can help you, um, mentor you, and disciple you in these type of things. Because without a community, you'll be out there, and the next thing you know, you don't want to be intimate with your spouse, or you're looking for for different forms of intimacy because that's what you were introduced to, or because of what you were introduced to, those other forms seem more safe. I will say that um, it's so important um, for us. I think that we our, our um, image of sex and how we relate to it is so colored by Hollywood and mm. romance stories and sex is always supposed to every single time be um or natural or or always like super super hot like at the pinnacle um and it's what hollywood doesn't tell you especially in marital sex because marital sex is different when you take Mm -hmm. the cheap way out and you have a lot of partners yeah Yeah. there's that newness right a lot Mm -hmm. of people get trapped into the newness right Mm -hmm. But now you have a relationship in marriage where you're now exclusive to one another. And in that exclusivity, there comes work. Mm -hmm. There's work, number one, to your point of let's let's know who we are. Let's, Mm -hmm. Let's dive into, and it doesn't have to be graphic, but let's be transparent with one another. Mm-hmm. And what our history is, if we're coming in defiled and we need God to purify us. 
Because there's some baggage that we're going to have to let go of. Mm-hmm. And God is going to have to do that work. And you're going to ha- you just can't cover it up. You can't put your head in the sand because it's going to affect. It's going to affect your marriage and you can overcome a lot of things. But to the experience that you just laid out, there are boundaries that we have to set one for another. Hey, I'm not comfortable with this. You might even be two pure people coming together. Mm-hmm. You know what? All of this is new to me. I'm not comfortable with this touch just yet. Mm-hmm. And that should be okay to say to our partner. And then learn to enjoy where you are. I think that you you brought up a good point here um, is um, when two uh, pure people um, or, you know, come together and they're learning. Unfortunately, um, what we've done in our culture is just like, okay, you're mine and I could do whatever I want with you. And you're mine and I could do whatever I want with you. And we forget that verse that says something like submit one to another. (laughs) And And that's on all aspects, submitting one to another. Within reason, I am not saying that you should submit when you you clearly know that that's not a godly thing to do. I'm just saying submitting one to another in love so that you both can flourish, right? And so just, yes, my body belongs to my husband, his body belongs to me. That doesn't mean that I get to abuse him and it doesn't mean that he gets to abuse me. And, there's, a, and there's an honor and there's a respect, right? Because honor just means that you 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 understand my position in your life. And regardless of what I do, you understand my position. Respect is that you have come, gone out of your way to learn to cherish the position that I have in your life. And so both have to work hand in hand. It's not just, well, you got to honor me because I'm your husband. Yes, that's true. But in order to respect you, you have to give me opportunity to grow into that grow into that respect, teach me how to love you and learn how to love me. You have to be a student of your spouse. So there's some things that my husband is absolutely 100% not comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Just flat out, I'm not comfortable with it. I don't. And I, unfortunately, in my, um, I, you know, let's just call it what it is. In my abusive nature, let's just call it what it is. Um, whether it was out of ignorance or selfishness, it was still abusive. Uh-huh. No, I want to do this. And you push this person past their comfort zone. And guess what happens? The enemy is waiting. Resentment is waiting. Bitterness is waiting. Anger is waiting because you've pushed this person past, right? What they're ready for. And so we need to understand that as we, as wives want to be cherished by our husbands, our husbands want to be respected by us, that that submitting one to another means that we have to be a student of each other. We have to be a student of what does that person enjoy? What, that, what does that person not enjoy? It could just be for, for one part, and it could just be, if you talk to them a certain way, they're good with trying things. Yeah. But if you're coming home grouchy and it's a turn off for them and that's it. You know, the, the ship has sailed for that evening. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Um, and so you have to work up to a pattern. But I think I'll just make this piggyback off of one point you said. The over romanticizing of sex in Hollywood or in society makes it feel like when you're married, you're missing something. The kids call it FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. You, you feel like, I wonder if I was with this person, would they wish me? Listen, let let me explain something to you. That secretary, she got to deal with you one night. She's not picking up your dirty drawers, your socks. She's not cleaning up after you. She's not making your meals. She's not dealing with your kids. She's not dealing with your bills. She's not dealing with your spending habits. She's not dealing with your spiritual and mental breakdowns. So yes, she can be cutesy and listen to you ramble. Yeah. That man that want to wish you off and, oh, he took you to a mountain getaway. Yeah, he saved up for that one weekend. It's not a lifestyle. 
And see, what we have to understand is marriage is a lifestyle. It has ebbs and flows and peaks and valleys. Yeah. And the sexiest thing is when somebody can ride those ebbs and flows with you, those peaks and valleys. Yeah. So I would say the second hindrance besides sexual trauma and, and, and your past would be fear of missing out. Yeah. Um, another point that I would bring out is um, an impediment that is culturally uh, provoked is that we live in a culture. So not only that's permeated by images of sex and what it is to be sexy and that it always has to be uh, hot and fiery all the time. And it should, you know, and, and there's no sacredness to any of that. But we have uh, lost what it means to wait for something. Everything in our culture is instant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want a, a new car, you don't have the money for it, fine. You have the credit, you can buy your new car. You uh, want a new house, you could do that. You want to renovate your house, fine. There's always credit. And we can get, we can go from zero to 100 like that. And because we live in that type of society and that type of culture and that type of luxury, um, we have lost the art of waiting. Mm -hmm. We have lost the art of waiting. We have lost the art of learning to unwrap a gift because that's what sex is right we have lost the art of unwrapping a gift slowly mm-hmm. and we think that when we get married some and i know that i did that i mm-hmm. have to have all the bells and whistles from day one mm-hmm. but how lovely is it how lovely it has been to unwrap this gift through the years after we've done that because the song of solomon is set in a setting of a vineyard a vineyard guess what requires work there's things that's got to be pruned there's things that have to be planted and there's things that have to be nurtured there are things that have to be watered there is time for the sun to come out there is time for the shade to come out all of these things if we look at the nature of sex and how god intended it It is a gift meant to unwrap slowly and savored. I like the word savored. I like the word savor. So just being transparent here um, without giving out too much detail. Um, I was, I'm a person that enjoys food. Like food is an experience for me, right? Like even even right here, the tea and the the peanut butter toast, and I'm listening to you talk. I'll remember the conversation more because of what I was eating and what, you know, and it'll, and, and it'll, it'll jog what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. So the next time I have peanut butter toast, I'll be like, oh, I remember that conversation. Or the next time I drink out of this mug, oh, I remember that conversation versus vice versa. So food is an experience. Sex is also an experience. And the way you the way you want it to be remembered should be the way you go after it. So mm-hmm. if you want to feel, and this is for this is for my ladies, you want to feel beautiful and cherished and and loved and cared for, then don't go after it like you're a one night stand. Mm. Speak it. Don't go after it like that. If you treat your husband like a booty call, you're gonna feel like one. Mm-hmm. And that's just, and that's just being straight up. But if you want to be dated, which you can still court your spouse. That's right. Then behave like you want to be dated. Yep. How do you come to the bedroom? Do you come to the bedroom smelling like you just finished chopping onions and bleach? <laughs> and cleaning the kitchen? Do you come to the bedroom with your skin dry, your breath smelling? Because to Rock's point, they were created to always be ready. So either way, I mean, you know, 
we don't want to get into obligatory sex when you're married, but man, gonna be like, okay, she giving it, I might as well take it. I don't know when it's going to come again. So whatever. <laughs> right. But, and, then you, and then you complain and say, wow, I just felt like he did that and rolled over. But how did you present yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same for men. You want you, when you were dating her, you was going to the barbershop. You was getting the teeth whitened. You was getting your clothes pressed. Now you want to roll up in there. You look like you, like, don't nobody love you. <laughs> you ain't combed your hair. You, you ain't trimmed your beard. You ain't brushed your teeth. You know? What do you, and then you're just like, babe, here I am. Okay. Yeah. And then again, just being out of obligation. Yeah. She's more like, well, I'm married now. All yeah. right. And it becomes this thing that has lost its its passion and has lost its savoriness. Yeah. Talk to your spouse during the day. Get yourself greased up. Yeah. Get the keep the house a certain way. Keep it, you know, one thing my, my thinking mind, about the dishes. Right. <laughs> wow. I used to say, I used to say to my I used to say to my husband, because he he's he's learned the best way to do for is acts of service. I, I remember this one instance. I know he's not going to be too mad. I share this. He was missing me, but I was mad. You know why I was mad? Wow. I had miles of clean laundry and work was so busy and I didn't get to put away my laundry. And all I could see was this laundry. And he looked at me and said, what's the matter? Because your body responds when you're aggravated. Yes. Yeah. Not the great, not the greatest for sexual intimacy when your body is rigid. Yeah. And he's just like, what's the matter? I'm like the laundry. I don't feel sexy because of the laundry. For a man, it might be something different. It might be him coming home and I've said to you over and over and over and over and over again, can you please just have dinner ready because I'm hungry when I get home? And that's the low hanging fruit that we can address. And that's no. <laughs> that's very that's a, that's a low-hanging impediment that's easily addressed because the other things that we touched on are um a little bit more uh complicated and they they need a little bit more work and i'll and, share. I, and the reason why and the reason why i'm i'm that's touching right. that low-hanging fruit is because that's usually a symptom of something deeper mm-hmm Mm -hmm. He's not asking you to cook because he thinks you're his maid. He's asking you to cook because he wants to feel cared for. Yes. She's not asking you to, she's not asking you to, to help her with the laundry because she thinks that you should do woman's work. She's asking you to help her with the laundry because she wants a partner. See, those are the deeper things. Yeah. It's never just about the dishes. Yeah. Are you going to do life? Well, and that's one of the things too. So I, I have a small story on that. So one of the things that I have enjoyed, and I've heard this from, from so many um, women that, yeah, what is, what is romantic to you when my husband sweeps the kitchen for me? When, um, you know, when he does this, because it, 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 for a woman's mind, a man just naturally has the ability to just block everything out and then concentrate on the task at hand, generally speaking. But a woman's mind, we constantly have this to-do list that it is running over and over and over and over and over. And that will impede our time in the bedroom. So how, so yeah. So when my husband sweeps the floor and I don't have to worry about it, um, just the other, but I will say it goes the other way around because remember marriage is about doing life together. All right. Doing mm -hmm. life together. You're not mm -hmm. two separate people anymore. You are now doing life together. So we're, we have a project going on in the backyard and it's already a week in. I don't have a lot of physical strength. My husband does, but my husband loves to just overwhelm himself he doesn't consider it overwhelming he, he enjoys hard work but I 
I saw him taking a lot of things to the backyard. And I said, you know what? I may not be able to do much, but I'm going to go out there and I'm going to help him. Mm -hmm. So I went outside, I got my gloves and I'm helping him. Now for every one stone that I can move, he's already moved four. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you know what? So I I helped him and I'm sweating. I'm, you know, carrying the wheelbarrow when, you know, the, and, and we just naturally fell into this pattern where, uh, I took the wheelbarrow when it was empty. He took it when it was full, but we were, but the work was now advancing a whole lot faster. And let me tell you something that touched my husband's heart. It touched, it touched my husband's heart so much. So the same way that when our husbands do little things for us, when they pick up, when they load the dishwasher, don't think that when you go next to your husband and you may not be as physically effective as, as he is, but when you start doing life next to your husband, mm-hmm. that will, yes, translate to the bedroom. And it'll take care of, to the to your point, the low-hanging fruit, but it'll address those deeper things. He now knows, your husband now knows that if things get hard, I have a partner. Yes. I have that help me that we talk about in Genesis. I have her. She's proven that to me. I don't want her to do it all the time, but the fact that she has proven that to me makes me feel secure in who I've married. Yeah. Yeah. It may see, you see what I'm saying? It's never just about you moving the stuff. It's about what that translates to. Exactly. That what those actions translate to. Exactly. You know, nothing used to, to make my heart more full than when I used to see those work boots and that lit up neon vest show up at a school concert. When he would stand in the back, he didn't want to embarrass the kids with his dirty clothes. So he would stand in the back on their face because he showed up. Yeah. I'm telling you, he could ask me for anything he wants. Yeah. Yep. Do you see what I'm saying? Because it wasn't about him. It wasn't just about him being there for the kids. It was me knowing that if anything happened to me, he would show up. Yeah. And that leads me to my other point. What happens when sickness happens? Because sickness did happen to me. And me. And he was the one that showed up. Yeah. And so my husband, in showing me, hey, I'll be there when you can't be there. That's that savory that you're talking about. That allow, that that gives you room to be like, I want to savor my time with him because I know it's not just about the sex. It's about the life. Yeah, doing it together. Doing it together. But what happens when you do get sick and you can't have sex? Then what? Yeah. Now that's a, a, a good question. I have to thank God that um, because uh, I recently, since 2011, uh, when I had fibroid surgery, I feel like from that point on, my body has betrayed me. And there are days that I'm in such pain, I can't. Mm -hmm. And I have to, and I'm so grateful and I say this to God all the time and I feel bad in my heart because sometimes I just can't, my body just won't permit it. It just won't permit it. And I have a man that has a a lot of self-control, a lot of self-control. And um, this is where I find out that I am loved for who I am and not just what I can perform for him. And he has been patient. Don't make me cry. Yes. And I, 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 I just, I, I, I am an, at awe. I am at, in awe of God in my husband. Because when I can't, um, he understands. When, and he waits. He waits until I can. And that actually helps me because I don't further um, women also internalize their stress. And sometimes if you're so worried about, oh, I have to perform in this area, you cause further stress and your healing doesn't come as fast. And then Mm -hmm. it takes even more time for you 
to accomplish whatever, not just, you know, uh, having your, your intimacy time in the bedroom, but, but life in general, I, I can't sweep and mop the way I want to because I'm in pain. Um, but to have that partner in life that wants to love me and my body as it needs to be loved is something that I want for every woman because it's so beautiful. I have been fortunate to experience um, love and illness that really, it, it, it was so profound, it was humbling. So for the last five years, I've had to get blood transfusions because I had fibroids that caused anemia that was so bad that um, even my hearing, memory, eyesight, skin, hair, everything was affected. And I would, oh. my body would be creating blood. So I'd have to get blood transfusions. And then I would get the, the transfusion. My body would have to adjust to the, the, um, the, the new blood and so forth. And sometimes I would, you know, you know, you just feel, you just feel tired. Anemia is horrible because you just feel tired all the time, no matter what you do, no matter how much I juice, no matter how much you work out, you're just tired, you know? And um, I can't, I, I can't even remember how many times I've fallen asleep on my, um, just, or have to cut a date night short, like be on the way to the restaurant but my joints were in so much pain, I would have to turn around and go back home. Mm. Um, or be in the hospital. Or, you know, your uh, uterus is supposed to be two ounces. By the time I had this hysterectomy this year, my uterus had expanded to five pounds. Wow. Wow. So something like this to something like this. So I look oh, like I. Wow. I looked like I was six months pregnant. And so I had body image issues. Um, sex became painful and unenjoyable and he waited. So he had to wait months. I'm not talking about weeks, months. Then I had the surgery and then he had to wait another few months. Mm. And what I remember the most about this whole time is not him ever complaining that he couldn't have sex. Yes. Not him ever complaining about my body changing. Yes. Not him ever complaining about the expense. Because I had the surgery the week that we were supposed to move into our new home. And he took money that was supposed to make this transition easier to make sure that I could get the infusions needed to have the surgery and which just, and the Lord worked it out, but it just, and never complaining and always reassuring me that I wasn't a burden. But one thing that I remember the most, I'll never forget is his constant laying his hands on me when, when he thought I was sleeping and praying over my body. Wow. Not so that he can have sex with me, but so I could be healed. Wow. Beautiful. And I think the biggest stumbling block in marriages when it comes to sex is selfishness. Mm -hmm. Yes. And when, when you just see your spouse as to what they can do for you, yes, you can take from them. When sickness comes, you see it all the time. Affairs happen. The family falls apart. You know, and, and, and it wasn't just sickness. It was children. You know, our daughter had an issue with her eyesight. Um, we had another daughter that went through a traumatic experience. We had a son that went off the rails. All of those things. If you are really selfish... You, those things with, with you would feel justified, right? You would feel justified. Well, I can't, I'm a man and I have needs or I'm a woman and I have needs. And you will go out 
Mm. Mm. Because you say that your carnal nature dictates your behavior. But when you truly truly have love, when you truly have love, then you can't be selfish. You're not selfish. And it's not the sex that's important to you now. It's the relationship and the connection that means more to you. So you'll pray for your spouse. You'll pray for their healing. You'll be there. This man had to shower me, bathe me. Uh. The anemia had gotten so bad, I couldn't stand up to get myself dressed. Yeah. Let me, um, to that point, real quick, I have to insert a scripture here. So Proverbs 5, 15, um, reading a couple of verses down, drink water. And this is um, instruction to the men, but it, it does apply for women too. Drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. Mm-hmm. And your cistern and your well is your spouse. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Mm -hmm. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breasts satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner. For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked and he will be held with the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction in the greatness of his folly. He will go astray because we all know that when we, if we step out, it's gonna affect us. It's gonna affect Mm -hmm. our marriage. That's mm-hmm. even if even if that never comes to light, don't think that mm-hmm. it, it doesn't affect the marriage. Of course. I mean, the guilt alone, the shame alone, the comparison, these are things that we've already talked about. The comparison, the guilt, the shame, right? The the risk of disease. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's crazy right now. The feeling of inadequacy. That, yes. You invite all those spirits. Um, my eldest uh, child always says, sin comes with friends. Those yes, spirits come with friends. <laughs> Adultery doesn't show up alone. It shows up with friends. That's right. The lying, that's the friend of adultery. The shame, it's a front of adultery. The guilt, it's a shame of adultery. Sometimes the Lord will make you lose your finances. Yeah. Because now you're splitting money, you're taking money from your house, so now your money is running through your fingers. Yeah. And all of this, again, they, they, they impede, they, they stifle that connection of that one flesh, that connection of sexual intimacy. Um, I have children and I would say this, my children thrive better when my husband and I are on one accord, sexually, financially, spiritually, and mentally. They thrive better because the house is in order. Don't think that when you're at odds with your husband sexually, that it doesn't affect your kids. Yeah. You are the example of what intimacy looks like to your children. Yeah. They would rather you be kissing and holding hands and them going, ooh, God, than for you guys to be arguing and them wondering why you can't keep a commitment. Yeah. And if they're the cause for it, and if they're the cause for it. So we have a couple of minutes left, but um, I think that we can briefly touch two questions that we received. Mm-hmm. And um, one is, can you truly 
enjoy sex as a Christian? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I have a good time, yeah. Um, You can. And I think, again, um, it comes with relationship. The God that we serve is a God of relationship. Um, We like to make, humans are so funny. We like to reduce God to our human nature and then elevate him to a point where he's far from us. Uh-huh. Neither of those extremes are true. Uh-huh. He's, his thoughts are higher than ours, so we can't reduce into our human nature. But he sent Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, to be with us. And so there's a relational thing about, about our spiritual life that should be fed. And that should be seen in your sex life and it should be seen with your spouse. It's all relational. How do you enjoy sex? It's really not the action. I don't care what books you read. You can read the Kama Sutra and whatever other books and whatever that other that other lady is. What was her name? Dr. Ruth. She was big in the yeah. 80s. Um, you, can, you can do all the techniques. That's not what's gonna bring you enjoyment. That'll bring your flesh stimulation. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you think enjoyment is stimulation, then that's a different conversation. But enjoyment is that mental and spiritual connection. Exactly. It's it's that if your spouse holds you for 15 minutes and you fall in love all over again. Yes. That is is where you lead into enjoyment in sex. It's It's the connection besides the physical stimulation. And so, yes, you can enjoy sex as a Christian, but you have to take care of your relationship you will not enjoy, I'm going to say this real loud. You will not enjoy sex if your relationship is in shambles. Yes. You will not enjoy it if your relationship is broken. Yeah. He may be able to stimulate you. You may be able to stimulate her. But true enjoyment in sex has to come when you're working on your relationship. Yeah. And I think that the only thing I will add to that is um, that was so well said. The only thing I will say is there are things in nature. Um, sometimes legalism comes into play. And um, in the Christian community, we're always told, you know, no, 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 no. So that by the time we get married, it's just like, <laughs> oh, my God, <laughs> we don't feel free. Right. We don't feel free. And you can feel free. And if and if it. Um, for for those of you who who are who are doing it the right way and you're and you're being pure, that's fine. Um, just know that um, God intentionally made the body for us to enjoy it. So if you are enjoying it, let yourself enjoy it because God could have made sex very mechanical. He didn't. Mm-hmm. He actually gave us nerve endings in certain places to enjoy it. So enjoy it. But again, I, the only thing I will add to what you were saying is that just enjoy in the proper boundaries. Do the, do the little bit of homework that it takes with your spouse to find out where the green lights are, mm-hmm. find out where the red lights are. Mm-hmm. And take care and, and wait to unwrap it just because you want something or you want to experience something and your partner's not ready, it may not be a no forever. It may be a no for right now. Learn mm-hmm. that, understand that gift, uh, the gift of sex is something that you unwrap. Mm-hmm. And it's so beautiful. It is so beautiful that you can, you could have 15, 10, uh, 20 years married and you're still unwrapping. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. That's the it's, beauty. It's, um, I think of, I think of when you when you say unwrapping like that. I think of how roses are bound really tight, and if you you guys you know can go to YouTube and look at a time lapse of a rose opening up, and there's this, it it's just this unraveling that's so in nature it's really slow, you know what I mean? Um, but what we like to do is we we like to hit the time lapse where it's and then it's and it's here. 
but you miss the true miracle of it by speeding it up. You know what I'm saying? Sex doesn't have to be boring. Marriage doesn't have to be boring. If yes. you stop rushing it, just stop yes. rushing it. Yes. It doesn't have to be boring. I think one of the most beautiful things is when you're in a deep conversation with your spouse and they've, and they've touched a part of your heart that you didn't even know needed to be touched. Yeah. And it can develop into intimacy, you know, different types of intimacy. There's so many ways to be intimate with your spouse. But again, without having a healthy relationship, it just becomes physical stimulation, which frankly, you can get anywhere. And that's the problem. (laughs) That's where the problem comes in. Now, there's a second question that we could touch on briefly, um, which is after years in a relationship that was broken, how do you let go? Um, do you mind if I answer this? No, 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 please. So I did have a relationship, uh, before I got married that lasted a long time and I did compromise myself and I always justified it because, oh, we're going to get married. Um, and so there's a lot of, um, especially if you're born and raised in the church and you do compromise yourself as a woman, sometimes you hold on to something because you know you've compromised yourself, but it isn't the will of God for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can let go, but it's like everything else, any other sin, you have to make the decision to let go. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a little bit harder because it comes with so much baggage, just like you said, Sin comes with friends. Once you invite one um, one thing into your life, um, it has its tentacles and it's going deep and it's infiltrating like a poison into your system. Mm-hmm. And for myself, um, when God was restoring me back to purity, I have to be honest. I went before the church. I told on myself. I submitted to the church and allowed myself to be counseled. Um, I had to do the homework of understanding the boundaries, going back to the word of God, understanding sex as he wants me to understand it. I had to return myself to the manufacturer. And then through the years, because you uh, obviously three, six months of of submitting myself uh, back to the leadership, that wasn't gonna just bingo presto fix my issues but every time that a consequence would come up because of my disobedience every time I found something I I always liken it to um gosh the enemy has us in a stronghold and every time I found something I would have to open it up break it off intentionally and submit it before the before the Lord and to ask, ask him to restore me and to purify me. Cause there's a lot of consequences that comes with sexual disobedience, how you think about sex, how you want to continue with it. And, and every time, every single time I had to tell myself I had to return to the manufacturer. Hold on, Dad. I'm gonna have to get going. <laughs> I think we can um, we can continue that next week. How do we break off? Because I think that that returning to the manufacturer that is a whole um, that has steps as well. Like, what does that look like? Because what I got gathered from what you said, you said admittance, accountability. Yes. Right. You submitted yourself under accountability and, and recognizing things. So we'll, um, yeah, unfortunately family duties are calling me. (laughs) We will pick pick back up. All right. (laughs) Perfect. Take care.
Hey, honey. 